Thank you for joining us for another life-giving message from City Church Now in Progress. Amen and amen. Shavonna, take it away. Okay. So, Pastor Ray asked me to talk about um, emotions, and so I wanted to kind of start with understanding what emotions are, why we have them, just kind of a a kind of, I guess, elementary kind of way to look at it. So also one of the movies he mentioned was Inside Out. So I don't know if you guys have heard of Inside Out, um, but it was basically a kid's movie that helped kids understand how our emotions work. Um, And so God designed us with emotions. We're created in his image. He has emotions. We have emotions. So emotions in and of themselves are not bad. They are uh, indicators. They let us know something is going on with us. Um, They could be good. It could be, you know, happiness or joy. And it could be, you know, something that's not so good like fear that doesn't feel as good anyway. Um, So all of our emotions have a purpose. And that's really important to understand. So... um, The top verse we have here is Ecclesiastes 3, 4, and 6. It says, A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain, a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to throw away. I thought that verse was important because it just lets us know that there is a time for everything. And every kind of season that you go through, every emotion that you feel, it has a place and a reason, um, and so it, it, it's good for us to kind of dig in and figure out, like, why we are feeling what we're feeling so we can do something good with that emotion, um, something helpful for ourselves with that emotion. Um, and so I think we can um, kind of show the first clips because that kind of, kind of gives us a framework of the emotions that we're going to talk about. So this first clip is... Um, basically, inside out, we, we are, if you haven't seen the movie, we're in the brain. Um, and so most all of the movie, most of it takes place as a snapshot of what's going on in our brains and what the emotions look like and doing. So this is the brain right now of like a young kid. So that's kind of a just a brief kind of what are, you know, a basic of the emotions that we're kind of born with. You know, um, babies cry. They, they know happy, sad, fear. Um, and so... We're going to talk about how we can control those a little bit better. And uh, so the Bible tells us that that's what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to run our emotions. Our emotions are not supposed to run us. Um, and so, and sometimes that, that gets gray and people are like, you know, I want to, you know, lead with my heart. I'm super passionate. And uh, that, those are great attributes, but we want to make sure that we are in control of our emotions, that we are running the show um, and that they are not controlling us. So one of the things we say here at City Church is this, the more emotional you are, the less rational you become. So an emotion-led life, left unchecked, can become a very painful life. Because when we are led and controlled by our emotions, what we feel and those emotions are toxic It removes our ability to interact and engage with others rationally. We feel before we think. Our feelings inform our actions, and most times we don't take the time to just stop and think about how we're responding and what we're doing because our emotions are in control when we should be controlling our Emotions. Are you with me? Now, let me tell you why that's critical. Your emotions, right, uh, represent a third of who you are. 
1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, each person in this building is created spirit, soul, and body. And so Paul writes that God will preserve us spirit, soul, and body. He who called us is faithful. I believe that's 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23. So you are a spirit. That's the part of you that was created to communicate with God. That's the part that's always willing to do what God tells us. In fact, Jesus said, the spirit is willing, the flesh is so your spirit, man, is the part of you that was created to commune and interact with God. Your body is just your earth suit. When you die, this thing right here that we pamper and <laughs> shave and lotion, it turns to dust. But there's a third part of who you are, and that is your soul. And your soul is the seat of your emotions, your intellect, and your willpower. Uh, so your emotions... That's your feelings. Your intellect is your ability to reason and understand life. And then your willpower is your ability to say yes or no. So an emotion, or let me, let me put it this way, uh, you're exposed to a certain stimulus, uh, somebody says something to you. Whatever they say comes into your head, and then depending on which part of your soul is the healthiest, that's the first one that's going to grab it. You have an opportunity to process what you just heard with your intellect or with your emotions. And if your emotions are the thing you lean to most, you will have an emotional, feeling-driven response, not intellectual. Now, your willpower is the yes or no button. If your willpower is busted, your self-control button is busted, guess what your response is going to be? It's going to be emotional. Are you with me? So that's what we're talking about here. That's what we're talking about here. And everyone in this room has the ability or, or we're endowed with the grace of God to help us manage those three things, our emotions, our intellect, and our willpower. Because everybody in this room can attest to the fact that there were times when you felt something and you exercised self-control. All right, so again, to Shavonda's point, our emotions are given by God uh, for us to feel and to process, but they're not there to control or lead our lives. We control and manage our emotions in a healthy way. Okay. Y'all saw how that double Dutch worked? <laughs> she was breathing, and I jumped right in. So my bad. <laughs> I jumped right in. Go ahead, so, um, so I'm just going to talk about two main ways that we can um, manage our emotions. So because, you know, if we're in here and we're Christ followers, then we have the Holy Spirit. That is a power that is in us that we have access to. Um, and so I just want to talk about what the Holy Spirit is just really quickly. John 14 and 16 says, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So if you're, if you're a Christ follower and you're not sure, like, I don't know how to really get a hold on these things, you already have help just sitting in there that we just have to remember to tap into. Good. Um, and then John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So this is where we have those scriptures that we memorized when we were five and six, and 
trying to bring those back so we can use them when we need to. When our emotions say, you should say something mean right now, um, we have to go, mm, no, my spirit wants to do something else and let the spirit kind of run the show instead of that emotion that wants to get in there and, and take over. Um, and then the other way we can control our emotions is by our thoughts. And a lot of people don't realize that, but something, Pastor Ray alluded to it, something happens, we think something, and then we feel something. So if we want to feel something a little bit different sometimes, we have to change the way that we think and look at a situation. Um, just like something can happen to you and something can happen to your best friend and you would respond one way and that person would respond a different way. The only difference is what you guys thought about it. Um, and so that is an important part and another power that you have that a lot of times we don't take the time to think about. Um, that's biblical and it's psychological, you know. So the Bible talks to us about renewing our minds. Um, Romans 8, 5, and 7 says, Those who live according to the flesh have their mindset on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mindset on what the spirit desires. The mind governs the flesh. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's Lord, nor can it do so. Um, so just in there, just realizing that if I let if I let the spirit run the show, I have a higher opportunity to have life and peace. And I know that's something that we all desire. I know I prayed for it plenty in my 20s. Lord, I just need some peace. Um, and that means that we have to let the spirit run the show more than we, we do it for ourselves with the feeling that we're feeling sometimes. That's tough. <laughs> it is tough. Can, can, I, can I just jump in for a second? Um, I would venture to say that the majority of our emotional or emotive responses to life are really learned behaviors. Uh, so my wife and I have had the privilege of counseling uh, multiple people, and, and there are times when we observe certain behaviors and we, 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 we do like the doctors do, right? If you go to a doctor and he's going to help you physically, he's going to ask for what? Family history. And there are certain behaviors that we normalize because that's all you saw. That's all you observed. And so there are certain responses to life that are learned. And because everybody around you responded that way, that's normal. So we sat across from couples before where uh, when there is conflict, when there is conflict, everybody in the house yells. And they marry somebody who in their home, what was normal was when there's conflict, nobody says nothing, you retreat. Are you with me? So what I'm saying is when it comes to how we respond emotionally, there are some things that we have to undo, some things that we have to unlearn in order to do it God's way. And some of those things are stubborn. (laughs) They die hard. Part of the reason they die hard is because we justify them. This is normal. It's normal to only you, though. And that's what the spirit then must wrestle with so that we're no longer governed by the flesh, by our, that's what I call it. We call it here at City Church, our marinade. Your marinade is whatever you've been sitting in. Whatever your mama was sitting in, it's the recipe she passed on to you. 
for life. And the, the meat takes on the flavor of whatever it's been sitting in. And everybody in this room got their own marinade. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever met somebody say, uh, uh, why you got raisins in your potato salad? <laughs> <laughs> that's normal to them, though. And that's what we bring to every relationship. Yeah. <laughs> she laughing. Uh, what was I talking about? Everybody's marinade. Everybody marinade. marinade. So, so what happens now? Now, now the marinade. Uh, it, can I just true confession from your pastor? Uh, one of the things I don't do well. One of the things I don't do well is change the filters in my house on time. You know the filter that go in the AC. You know you're supposed to change them, right? Yes. <laughs> why am I talking about that? Here's why I'm talking about that. Because the filter through which you have processed life needs to be changed. Yes, that's good. Because over time, if you don't regularly change, and when I say change your filter, I mean bring your filter of how you interact with people. And if you don't constantly submit that to God, you will default to your marinade. Because all of us got that default setting. And most of us are so comfortable with our filters, so that this filter is clogged, you can't even see through it. When you put that filter in, it was clean and white. Now you can't even, you can't even see through the thing. But you steady insisting on this is my filter. That's just the way I am. Well, let me tell you something. The problem with the filter is everything we hear, everything we see goes through that filter. And that clogged filter that you're unwilling to submit to the spirit of God is distorting everything around you that people are saying. Baby, I love you. Well, what does that mean? No, I said I love you. What you want? See, 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 see. They finished it for me. See, see what I'm saying? And just to be true, this ain't the conversation in Pastor House. Just so y'all know. But if the filter is dirty, even if someone's trying to help you or do something kind for you, you start to question their motives. And most of us are living with an emotional AC unit with filters that haven't been changed in years. So when the scripture says, the mind governed by the spirit is life and it's peace, he's saying, it's time to change your filter because the mind that is governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Are y'all with me? Yes. Change the filter. Are you with me? Change the filter. <laughs> Trying to pass the baton to you, but it feels good right now. I just hit my stride. I found my rhythm. Go ahead, Shabani. Go ahead. Go ahead. Man, I found my rhythm. But anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. 
So what we stand to gain by doing that um, is Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. That is what we come away with when we let the Spirit run the show as opposed to our emotions. I mean, that who doesn't want those things in their lives just constantly, every day, all day? Someone comes to you and they're not in a good mood, you've got joy, you've got peace, and they can't take that from you, right? Someone can't come into a room with a bad attitude and, and steal your joy when that's what you're operating in every day. That's good. So that's, that's what we stand to gain if we can, if we can get in the habit change the filter, um, learn some new way to do things. So that is something that we're just constantly operating in. Good, good. It's always a choice, man. <laughs> you see, I saw... But you were, <gasps> it's always a choice. It's always a choice, man. It's always a choice. And one of the verses that we help people see as it relates to conflict resolution. We take them to Ephesians 4, and notice what Ephesians 4 says. It says, be angry. Now, we can just go home on those two words. Be angry. What Paul is saying is there are things you will experience in life that justify your anger. Mm -hmm. Your anger is a God-given emotion that notifies you that something you care about or someone you care about is being mistreated. Are y'all listening to this? When you get angry about certain things, it's because someone you care about or something you care about is being mistreated. Yet Paul goes a little bit further and says, in your anger, don't sin. That means there is a line of demarcation. There's a line that we can cross in our anger. There is an anger that is justified or justifiable because of someone or someone you, something you love being mistreated, but in your anger, don't sin. That means it is possible for me to put the brakes on. Mm -hmm. It is possible for me to engage my self-control. It is a possible, it's possible for me to engage my willpower to say, no, I'm mad, but I ain't going to go there. Yeah. So one of the things my wife and I learned early on in conflict resolution was uh, she needed to decompress. Me, I wanted to deal with it and move on, right? But sometimes my wife needed to decompress. And one of the things she told me was, I need to calm down because I don't want to say something I cannot take back. That's good. That was being angry and not sinning. Yeah. Let, me, let me tell you why. Because if it come out your mouth, you cannot take it back. It, it, it's a lot like squeezing toothpaste out the tube and trying to put it. Once it's out, it's out. And he says, in your anger, do not sin. That's where we engage our self-control. That's part of your soul. God gave us the ability to say yes and the ability to say no to our emotions. Okay. So we're just going to kind of dive into what happens when those emotions start to run the show. And then, um, sorry, those, we're going to dive into what happens when the emotions start to run the show and then things start to become and look and feel toxic. So we're going to start with anger slash disgust because they kind of really are on the same spectrum. Um, so anger and disgust, 
left unchecked um, can become resentment. Um, and in counseling, I call that unresolved anger, right? So you're just angry, angry. You don't deal with it. You don't talk about it. You say you're fine, um, but you really aren't fine. And then after a while, you just start to feel resentment. You start to just carry this unresolved anger. Um, and oftentimes, everybody around you can see it, but you can't, you know, and you're just kind of constantly living life on edge. Those people who say, I go from, you know, zero to 100 in five seconds, no, you've been on 90 <laughs> for a long time. And so it seems like it goes really fast, but it doesn't. You just, you live there. You live up there, and it feels comfortable. may not feel comfortable, but it feels normal. It feels like this is just how you live, but it just doesn't have to be that way. Um, Acts 8 and 23 says, For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. So bitterness is also... What happens when we don't resolve anger, when we don't resolve disgust, we start to feel bitter. Um, so it says, for I see you are full of bitterness and captive, captive to sin. It's really hard not to be sinful when you're feeling bitterness and resentment. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go fast. Let me, let me tell you why this is critical. Listen to, listen to why this is critical now. Because... Um, how do I say it? Uh, that, that, that anger that becomes bitterness, that becomes resentment. Mm -hmm. Notice the factor, the common factor is time. It's what you sit on and you don't resolve. That takes on a life of its own. Yeah. That's why Paul said, same passage, Ephesians 4, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Because the longer you entertain that thought, the longer you tolerate uh, those mind monsters, mm -hmm. the bigger they get. Let me tell you, let me just say it this way. The way you feed bitterness and resentment is just give it more time. Yep. People ask themselves, how did I get here? <laughs> you let the sun go down on your wrath. Not just one night, mm -hmm. not just two nights, not just three nights. What was just a tiny argument that you didn't resolve, you know when you turn your back on your husband and you pull the covers too much and he can't sleep all night because his feet cold? <laughs> you gave it so much time. That what was anger, maybe even justifiable because of something he said, has now turned to bitterness and resentment. And like she said, man, everybody can, you just, you've just become a bitter person because you just let it sit there and didn't deal with it. The time factor is a big deal. It's a big deal. All right, go ahead. Sorry. Another uh, part of this. Uh, version of that verse says, for I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound mm -hmm. by iniquity. So the Bible is basically telling us we, with bitterness, we're bound to iniquity. So basically we, we can't act right, do good, mm -hmm. if we have bitterness and resentment in us. So it becomes such a struggle to do that. So our job is to kind of keep from getting there, being able to recognize when we're angry. Can I give you the word picture now, mm -hmm. real quick? Mm -hmm. so, so the word picture Paul is using now, remember he's speaking to an audience and he's using these word pictures, but when he says bound by bitterness, you know what they would do, the Romans would do? If, 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 if they caught a murderer, they would attach the corpse 
of the person they killed to the murderer. And while their flesh was rotting, that's gross. <laughs> while their flesh was rotting, you were attached to them while you were still alive, and that decomposition would get on you and start to eat away at you. Listen to me. That's what he's talking about when he says you are bound to sin because of your bitterness. Sin is attached to you. And the, 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 the effects of sin, decomposition, is starting to eat away at you. Yeah. But you are connected to it. Hmm? Mm -hmm. I think we need to have a sequel for this message. <laughs> I don't think we can get through all of it today. Anyway, go ahead. I'm, I'm going, sorry. So some of the causes of how we can get to resentment and bitterness is a lack of effective communication. Um, and unforgiveness. Um, so you did something to me. I don't let it go. I say I'm good. I say it's all good. But I really don't. And so that unforgiveness and the fact that we didn't talk about it and gain any understanding from each other just allows uh, resentment and bitterness to kind of just run rampant. Um, so how? How do you forgive? Forgiveness is not for the offender. It's not for the person that did the wrong thing. Forgiveness is so that you don't end up bound, you know, in bitterness and resentment. Forgiveness is for us. It's for the person that was hurt. Um, and I think if we can look at it like that, it makes forgiveness easier. It's hard to forgive somebody when you think, I've got to forgive you for what you did to me, and it's for you. Because we don't want to do that. Why do, you know, it seems like we're giving them a pass. We're letting them off. Um, and so if we're going to get to forgiveness, we've got to be willing to see that it is for us. Um, I tell my clients, it's like walking around with a garbage bag full of everything somebody did to you over your back. And you're just trying to go forward with it. And forgiveness is saying, nope, I'm going to sit this down and I'm going to move on. Good. It doesn't mean that it's not still there, right? They still did it. It's still a part of your story. You still can learn and grow from it. But you don't have to carry it and carry all that bitterness and resentment with you. The Bible says in Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. I know personally I have to challenge myself with that one because you can't go to God and be like, you know, look, Lord, here's what I did. And, and thanks for forgiveness when you know that you're carrying around a lot of unforgiveness. That starts to feel super hypocritical. At some point in your spirit, you just, you, you don't feel right. Um, and so that's something that you can use to kind of challenge yourself. Lord, I know that I have this forgiveness from you. Why not give it to others if I say I am walking in your spirit? Um, it doesn't mean it's okay. It doesn't mean the person has a free pass to hurt you again. It doesn't mean you have to stay in relationship with that person. Because some people are just not healthy. Some situations are just not healthy. Forgiveness doesn't mean... We're all good. It's all good. Let's carry on together. Yeah. Sometimes you can say, I'm going to forgive you from over here and you stay over there. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm moving on. I'm no longer punishing you for the offense. I am walking free from that. You allow yourself a different perspective. You don't forget, but you become stronger and better from it, if that makes sense. Yeah. The word my wife and I use for that is uh, unsafe. There are just some people... That are unsafe. Yeah, that's all I'm gonna say about that. Yeah. So, um, so just to 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 kind of talk about the 
for not forgetting it, but allowing you to become better and stronger from it. The Bible says in James 1, 2 through 4, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So trying to remember that we are going to go through things, and they have a purpose. So when someone does offend you, someone does hurt you, seeing how I can, how what do I need to do to become better from that? Um forgive that offense. I'm not trying to punish you anymore because you hurt me and allow that to let you grow. You're better, you're stronger, you're moving on because that's what the Bible tells us it's there for. Um, So some other things you can do to kind of deal with your anger is just express it. And you can do that with three words. I am angry. You don't have to yell. You don't have to punch anything. You don't have to hang up the phone. You can just say, I am angry. That did not feel good. Um, And be willing to look under the anger a lot of times and see what else you're feeling. Because we also say in counseling that anger is a lot of times very secondary. Um, It's the the emotion we feel most comfortable with. It's the emotion that's most okay uh, for men and for women. And it's hard to just say it hurt. It's easier to say I'm angry. It's hard to say um, that was disappointing. You know, um, it's easier to just say I'm angry and all whatever other fun words we like to use. Um, So we have to be willing to see if there's anything else that we're really, really feeling so we can express that, because that's even better and more helpful than just saying, I'm angry. Um, Instead of, you know, not owning your own feelings, you can say, this is is my feeling. So instead of saying, you made me mad when you didn't call, which is giving away all of your power, you say... um, when you didn't call, I felt ignored and dismissed. Own your feelings, right? So no one can have that power. And that way you guys can have a conversation. That person can say, I'm sorry I didn't call. I got, I mean, whatever it was so that you can see that even though you're feeling ignored and dismissed, maybe that, that was not that person's intention and they were on a very important call with someone else about something super urgent. And then you can go, mm, maybe I shouldn't have been feeling Ignored or dismissed because that was not the situation. You know, our feelings are not always what's actually happening around us. It's just what we're feeling. Um, it's not always reality, so to speak. Um, and, and to give an, an illustration of that, sometimes, you know, I don't know if you remember when you were a kid and you would see something hanging in the corner and you'd be like, oh, my God, what is that? And you turn the light on and it's just your coat that you threw over the chair, right? So you were scared. The fear was real. But the situation was just not, right? It is your coat over there. And then you're like, okay, good. I was feeling scared for nothing. Um, And so we have to be willing to say, you know what, especially if it's someone you care about, you know, your kids, your friends. I care about this person. I don't really know them to be like that necessarily. I'm feeling this. Let me check in and see if that was the intention, if, if this is real. If it's real, then yeah, you dismiss me on purpose. We didn't talk about that. But if it wasn't, then you have an opportunity to go, okay, I don't want to continue feeling like this because that's not the situation, and you can do something about it. Very good. Let's dive into some of these fears you have here, Mm -hmm. okay, Uh, just because they're, I think they're fears that people deal with. You have a short list here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's talk about that quickly because I want us to get through, you know, you got so much good, 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 good content (laughs) here, man. It's it's incredible. We'll probably pick this up next week. but go ahead. Take us through quickly. Some so, of fears. so to jump into fear, um, when fear, so fear obviously is another just fine emotion, right? There are no bad emotions per se. But when fear is unchecked, um, it can become anxiety. 
which is when you are fearful about something that has not happened yet, right? And so, you know, Pastor Ray wanted us to talk about emotions and mental health, and that is one of those areas where it's not super black and white. Um, there are definitely mental health diagnoses that are around anxiety, and so it's something that you want to pay attention to. You know, if you find yourself worried a lot, if you're fearful that something bad's going to happen, if you're constantly concerned about things that haven't happened yet, you might be slipping into that area of anxiety. Um, and when it starts to run the show, you, you're in you're in problem land, yeah. if that makes sense. And so, um, so that's one way fear can present itself. Um, codependency, um, a definition for that is excessive emotional or psychological reliance on a partner, family, or friend. So um, that fear that that person might go away um, might lead you to be clingy and... Uh, want more than you're giving in some some instances. Mm. And then um and so one of the other biggest ones that we see in relationships is insecurity. Mm. Um so fear becomes insecurity. I'm not good enough. Um I'm uncertain or I'm anxious about myself. I don't have confidence. And the extreme end of that is a uh, narcissistic traits. Um so that's a it doesn't always seem like that because someone with narcissistic traits can seem very confident. Um, but that is deep-seated insecurity about oneself um, and an exceedingly fragile sense of self-esteem. And that person, so they swing the pendulum from that deep-seated insecurity to another level of, you know, trying to be powerful and controlling and that, that then you're definitely in toxic land. Very good. And there, there are clips for that, but we don't have time for clips. No, you can, I mean, if you have to. Okay. Yeah. We don't have to. We didn't go wrong. You sure. You're in the driver's seat. I'm just a um, cool. so so. There are some clips um, that we can do. They're from What About Bob, um, and we watched. The, they had us watch this film in grad school um, because it's. I mean, it's funny. It's definitely a comedy, um, but it shows some some extreme and not so extreme of what anxiety could look like. So I guess we can kind of uh, play the first clip, and then we can go into the, the the second clip of that, and then the third clip. So those clips are obviously anxiety to the extreme. Um, but those what if questions are very normal. You know, I have a lot of clients come in and they're like, well, what if this and what if that? Um, and so even if it's not to that extreme, sometimes you still need to kind of figure out how do I stop doing the what ifs and what do I do with all this anxiety? And so um, the Bible tells us um, if we're going to jump into, you know, how we do that. Oh, well, before I do that, the last bit of anxiety can turn into jealousy. Um, so that's when we have insecurity, fear, and concern about losing something or someone that's important to us. So those are kind of some of the ways that fear and anxiety can turn toxic. Um, the Bible says, you know, in Mark 440, um, Jesus said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Um, which is a challenge to us sometimes to say, you know, I'm anxious about this, but have I talked to God about it? Have I consulted with where I know my help comes from? to really manage this anxiety, to see if, if I can get an answer, if I can get some peace in that arena um, so I don't allow this to continue on. That's good. Uh, so, so here's the deal. Uh, great antidote, biblical antidote for anxiety. Philippians chapter 4, the scripture says, be anxious for nothing. But in all things, God is, God is concerned about everything that concerns you. Yeah. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things. With prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. You know what that means? If it's on your mind, it's on God's heart. That's good. Listen to me. If you can talk to your friend about it, you can talk to God about it. Yeah. 
In fact, the New Living Translation uh, uh, version of that verse, Philippians 4 and 6, it says, it says uh, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Now, let me tell you why that's critical. All right. So talk to God. That, that's important. That's important. But, but there's a second. Talk, talk, talk to some people with some sense. Proverbs 12.25. Listen to me. Proverbs 12.25 says, anxiety, listen to the progression, anxiety in the heart of man. What does it say? It was good. Causes, I was looking for that word, the verb. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. That's what, that's what the Bible said. That's Bible now for what people are dealing with. Anxiety left unchecked, when we have this fear of something that hasn't happened yet, it will cause depression. Proverbs 12, 25, but notice, notice the flip side. This is why you got to have good people in your corner, but a good word makes it glad. You mean to tell me I can pull somebody out of depression and anxiety with just a good word? Absolutely. 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 Now, here's another one. Proverbs 13 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Then hoping, praying, believing for something, and that hope is deferred, it makes the heart sick. And so we're going to kind of fast forward to get to the part I want to talk because mm-hmm. I really, really want us, and, and I know we're not going to do it justice. We just don't have the time yeah. to do it justice. But we'll just 10 minutes and we'll wrap up. Can we have just 10 minutes and we'll, we'll, we'll is that okay? Just 10 minutes. Um, uh, we've talked quite a bit about, you know, toxic emotions, fear, insecurity, codependency, um, uh, narcissism. Uh, all those things are fear-based uh, but uh, how do I know I'm crossing the line from something that is just toxic emotions, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I'm crossing over into something that is a mental health issue or a mental health crisis yeah. where it goes just beyond prayer or beyond reading the word. Let me tell you something. Last year, um, I forget the numbers now, man, but a whole bunch of us pastors, man, were committing suicide. How do you go from being a hope dealer? Yeah. In fact, there's one pastor uh, out, of, out of California, Inland Hills Church, who had just preached a message to his congregation about how to overcome depression. Beautiful family, four kids, next day took his own life. It's another pastor right here in Cedar Hill as I was doing research. Uh, pray, let me tell Pray for your pastor. Yeah. Yeah. A pastor in Cedar Hill uh, who uh, the family died in the home. The home burned down. Uh, But when they did the autopsy, they found that the husband uh, died of a self-inflicted wound because of the trajectory of the bullet. So he killed his family, killed himself. Well, set the fire, killed the family, killed himself. Uh, and when they found out why, they, 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 they had to do with a pending uh, foreclosure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on their home. I could tell you story after story, uh, whether it's Kate Spade or Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. Um, 
how do we know, okay, because again, I understand sadness. You lose a loved one, you get sad. That's normal. But what's that line when I say, okay, this is crossing over into something much deeper than just somebody sad about something? This could be something much deeper. What a, how do we identify? And when I say this, this is not to be critical of anyone. Again, one in five. If that statistic is true, one in five um, uh, will struggle with mental health. Okay? Yeah. The church should be in a position to serve people who are struggling and to love them and to help them. Yeah. So, so what are some... Some, some, some warning signs or some indicators that someone's crossing over from just toxic emotion, you know, uh, to, to something that could be a mental health condition. And so this is definitely not black and white. This is extremely gray, right? Um, and there are tons of diagnostic criteria that, you know, people would look at. But, you know, you want to, is this, is this thing that I'm feeling creating any kind of problems? I tell people it's not a problem until it's a problem. So when you're sad and that's when you're grieving, um, it's it's okay. It makes sense. But when it becomes a problem, so I haven't gone to work. Um, I'm irritable with my family and friends. Uh, I'm not eating. I'm not sleeping, and that's going on and on. So now this sadness is becoming a problem for your daily living. Um, and that's, that's with the anger, that's with the fear. When any of those emotions are, are overwhelming, if you've got one emotion that's prevalent, um, it, it's becoming a problem. So that's a, that's a, a warning sign, you know, that, that things are, are not well. Your friends so and just your daily activities, mm-hmm. your ability to function and interact with others when yes. it becomes problematic, yes. right? You're not motivated to get up out of bed. Right. Uh, you go to work, you're daydreaming or whatever, or you're struggling with anger or you're constantly down, you yes. can't concentrate. Mm-hmm. Those would be indicators, okay? Yeah. So, so what do I do then? What do I do then? Oh, oh, let me put it this way. Are people typically able to self-diagnose or say, hey, man, something's off. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm tired. I'm not motivated. Mm-hmm. Are people generally yeah. able to self-diagnose and get help for themselves? You can. if You, you know when you're feeling like yourself, and you know when you're not. Um, you just have to be willing to admit and, and, and be okay with not being okay. Good. I know that sounds super cliche, but it is, it's okay to not be okay. And if you're willing to acknowledge that you're not okay, then, yeah, you can go, mm, I'm, I'm not okay. And that's when you can reach out to, for help. Either that's talking to a friend, getting a counselor, going to a doctor. Um, but if, you can, if you're okay with everything not being perfect and everything not being all good, then you'll be able to, um, to see those things going on with yourself. Your friends and family notice. Um, I'm sure if, if things are getting off and you've got people in your circle, they're probably calling you or looking for you or asking you questions. Um, let, that can be an indicator that, yeah. that you're not okay if people around you are also noticing. Okay. So, so let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. If, if, say, I have a friend and I notice some of these signs and symptoms, mm-hmm. give us some tips on how to broach that conversation. You, yeah. you know something's Maybe the person is in denial. They won't admit that something's wrong. They won't go get help, mm-hmm. but you care about them. Yeah. How do you have that conversation when you think that all the indicators are there for mental, that it might be a mental health issue, and you want to maybe intervene, you want to help? How do you, where do you even start having yeah. that conversation with someone you genuinely care about? Yeah. Well, I mean, you start with what you notice. You know, you know your friend. You, go, you, you tell your friend, hey, you know, Typically, you are smiling, and we go out every other weekend, and this is, what I, this is what I usually see from you. Here's what I'm seeing now. 
do do you do you know why there's been a change? You can just ask them. You know, here's here's how you typically are when you seem okay, and here's what's happening now. Ask them. Do you see there's a difference? Because I very good. I'm seeing a difference. Do you know why there's a difference? And give them an opportunity to go. Yeah, I've been stressed at work or whatever the case may be. Um, if they're like, no, what difference? You know, then you realize that they're they're not seeing it. But you 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 show them. You talk to them about what they typically look like. Right, you don't want to go up and like you look depressed, right? No. People are not going to be open right. to that necessarily, you know. Or you look like you're tripping. What's going on? You know, people people are not going to be receptive to that. But if you say, you know, typically when I call, you answer the phone. Typically, you know, you seem joyful. You're the life of the party. And the last two times we saw you, or you didn't show up, or the last two times we saw you, you seemed a little down. We, you know, we're seeing a difference. I'm seeing a difference. Um, do you see the difference? Do you realize? Do you see what's going on? Do you know what's going on? Can I help in any way? I mean, I think it's good if you can kind of show them the what you saw that seemed okay and what doesn't seem okay now. Don't try to call it anything or label it with anything. Um, just highlight what you're seeing. Here, here's what I'm seeing. You know, typically when the kids come to you, you're open and you're you're willing, and now you're just kind of snappy and short. You know, what is that? You know, just. Got it. Kind of highlight what you're seeing. Very good. I think that's fantastic counsel. Great way to approach it. Hey, this is what I see or used to see. I'm seeing this now. Have you noticed that? And just kind of work through that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the, the best case scenario, uh, the person is open to your counsel mm -hmm. and they get help. Yeah. Let's talk about if you you know someone, especially if you're in close proximity, you might even live with them. Mm -hmm. They're under your roof, under the same roof. You notice these behaviors. You have the conversation they're not willing to get help. Yeah. They're in denial. And how many of you realize denial is not just a river in Africa? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you, you have the conversation. They're not willing to get help. Yeah. Now, walk us through that. What are some best practices? What do we do after we've had the conversation? We're gentle, we're loving, we're caring, we're patient. What, do we, what, what happens if this person is unwilling, for whatever reason, mm -hmm. to, to get help? Um, this gets tricky, you know, because relationships vary, you know, if we're talking about a friend or a spouse or, you know, things can get very, very gray again. Um, but you have a right to set boundaries for yourself with what's healthy and what's okay for you. Um, so you can set a boundary, you know, here's what I'm seeing, here's how the behavior is happening, and this is not okay. This is not okay for our friendship. This is not how I am okay being treated. This is, this is not okay for you, really, but I don't get to say so and what's okay for you, but I, I want to set this boundary, which could mean um, if, if it's a friend, you know, the boundary could be uh, I'm going to, I need to fall back a little bit because this is just not healthy. If it's a spouse, it could be uh, we need to get help, whether that's we need to call in uh, a trusted advisors, uh, our mentors, uh, counseling, um, but you have a right to set that boundary to say, this is this what happening. What's happening is not okay, and here is where I think we need to go next, and Good. and set set that boundary and be willing to kind of stand firm in it. Right, right. And so it's also okay if I'm hearing you correctly. After mm -hmm. you have the conversation, you you set up your boundaries. You know, this is not okay for me. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, and then, but it's also okay to get some help. Yes, right? absolutely. So, so someone that person might trust. Right. Uh, a pastor. Uh, Call Big Mama. 
Right? Because yep. they might listen to Big Mama. I yeah, mean, you yeah. have to you have to know your family, right? If right. you've got a toxic family member also, that's not the person you want to call because then right. the whole family is going to know, and that's not helpful to anybody. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I always tell people, know your support system. Know your go-tos. Know who's safe to talk to and have those people ready, you know, and make sure they're on board. Hey, you know, if I need you, can we call? Especially if we're talking spouses, you guys really need to have, when we have trouble, who are we both okay to go to? Yeah. Um, so you guys can can have accountability partners to kind of speak into your marriage, whether that's the pastor who married you, um, you call the families. And there are some cultures where if there's trouble, every a whole family gets together and we going to hash this out. Right. Um, and so you just have to decide. And if you don't want anybody involved, that's what counselors are for, right? It's It's not anonymous, but they don't know you. You don't know them. You go in, you guys can hash stuff out, and you don't have to have your social circle in your business, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but that definitely can can happen. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Wow. So much ground we wanted to cover, so much we could say, uh, but not enough. We just wanted to at least uh, start the conversation. Yeah. Don't you guys just appreciate Shavonda, man? Awesome job Thank this you. morning. Um, um, if, if somebody needs to maybe chat with you beyond just this session, uh, how do they get in touch with you? Where's your practice? Do you have any cards that they can get from you? This ain't, this ain't like, hey, girl, I really need to talk to you, and 30 minutes later, <laughs> no, pay for your session. <laughs> Don't trap her in the corner after service and get a whole free session. So I have an office up in Prosper. Um, I do video sessions as well. So if Prosper is far, we can also do uh, video counseling as well. Um, I don't have cars, but my name is Shavonda, C-H-E-V-O-N-D-A. There are not a lot of us in the world. (laughs) So um, if you just Google my name, I will definitely pop up. but, yeah, you can schedule on the website. It's super easy. What's the name of the project? Do you have a Yeah, name? it's What's called Small Victories Counseling. Um, and, yeah, and I just kind of pull that from just being able to acknowledge and, and let all of your little victories in life be meaningful. Um, and I think that that is really important to being healthy, being able to see all those little victories as, yeah. as big victories, really. And that's what they called it in the movie, What About Bob? Baby Steps. Baby Steps, yeah. Baby Steps in the elevator. <laughs> Baby steps out the door. Yeah, so, yeah. No, very good. Um, yeah, we're going to wrap up because we're out of time. But, uh, you know, get help, whether it's, 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 um, it's uh, with Shavonda or someone else. Uh, Pastor Wendy and I, we do a lot of counseling, but we also go to counseling. That's good. That's good. Amen. That's good. Here's why, because we all have blind spots. Yeah. And there are things that are obvious to everybody that you're oblivious to. And sometimes you just need somebody else. You just need a fresh set of eyes to say, you know what? Your wife is right. (laughs) (laughs) And all the men said, dilly, dilly. (laughs) Dilly, dilly. All right. Yes, you have one. Okay. Yes. So just just quickly also, there there comes a time when medicine needs to get involved. Right. Um, I didn't want to leave that out because um, there are times when things are just out of control and you can't get a handle on it and there's nothing wrong with, even if you just go to the doctor, uh, find a psychiatrist and just say, Here, just give me some information. Tell, tell me what you think. It doesn't mean you have to go and take anything right away. Um, but there are sometimes th- there's a lot of going on in our brains. It's, it's an organ. It has chemicals. The chemicals need to be in balance and do what they need to do. And sometimes those chemicals get off. 
Um, and so if you find yourself, you've, you've done all you can and it's still not better, it's time to do more. You know, and that's sometimes when the medicine can come in. Because if it's chemical, it's chemical. You know, and you need to try to get that balanced out because you don't want to end up when you if you're feeling suicidal, if you're thinking about hurting yourself, if you're wondering what would it be like if I weren't here, th- those are definitely times when you you need to to say, okay, this is you know, those are not the kind of thoughts you want to even have hanging out a little bit, right? Because they can quickly become something that you can't come back from. Absolutely. Yeah. All righty. So hopefully our prayer is that maybe this morning we remove some of the stigma associated with some of the emotions you might be feeling. And even beyond that, if it's something chemical, uh, we pray that you will get the help. And we want you to know, and the worship team can come because we're going to close out the service, that you're not alone. There's a reason Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. Yeah. Struggled in his emotions. There's a reason Paul said that he was, the persecution was so great that he despaired of life. If you read that in the actual Greek, it means he wanted to give up. He didn't even want to live anymore. And sometimes we read that in the scripture and we think these guys were superheroes. These guys wrestled emotionally. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah. It's the reason even David, even David, when you read the Psalms, struggled in his emotions. Yeah. And so our prayer is that you will turn to the Lord, turn to a friend, turn to a professional, And let's walk this thing out with you, okay? Because we win together. We are for you. We are for you, and we want you to win. And we serve a God who wants you to win as well. Let's pray. Let's pray as we're dismissed. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more details about City Church and for other resources, visit us online at www.citychurchtv.com or contact us via email at info at citychurchtv.com. If you are encouraged or inspired by today's message, we ask that you prayerfully consider partnering with us financially, either in a one-time gift or as a monthly partner. No gift is too small. We have three convenient ways for you to give. Via our website at citychurchtv.com backslash give. Via text, text citychurchtv and the amount that you would like to give to 77977. By mail, mail your check or money order to City Church Global Ministries, 8105 Razor Boulevard, Box 90, Plano, Texas, 75024. Once again, thank you for downloading today's message. We look forward to connecting with you soon.